Good morning, y'all, or afternoon, or whatever time you, you may be listening to this. It's morning for me. It's actually about to be the afternoon. It's 1152. Uh, but no, I just, I wanted to come on because there's something that has been, that I've been really thinking about recently, well, as of yesterday, um, and I just wanted to kind of come on and share my experience my emotions and just kind of yeah just share it I don't want to uh my goal in this is not to try to like create you know like what am I gonna do like now I have to take these next action steps my goal is to just like talk about it acknowledge it kind of work through it process it pray about it you know and so um but before I even begin God I just want to start this by saying Lord thank you for these experiences and these emotions that have led me to the place that I'm in right now, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are still faithful, even despite everything that happens in our lives and in the lives of other people. Lord, I pray that this moment becomes a moment of processing, of grieving and mourning what needs to be grieved and mourned, and of talking about these emotions and feelings um, of what it's like to be black in this world, um, and just talking about these issues surrounding it, Lord. And I just pray that, you know, a a revelation that helps me and possibly helps other people comes out of this. Um, I praise your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all, listen. (laughs) Boy, do I have a lot to share. And I think this is going to be one of those things where it's just going to be kind of all over the place because I really don't have, um, like, I have a list of things that I want to talk about, but they don't necessarily like not everything connects so there's certain things that like I was reminded of that I was like okay yeah I want to talk about this but it's not necessarily like connecting to the main main thing so first let me get out of this sweatshirt because it's hot outside so I'm gonna struggle with this for a little bit hold on I'm gonna uh, I'm glad I don't have my airpods in okay because it's hot okay Anywho, yeah, so there's a bunch of um, topics and things of that sort that I wanted to talk about, but I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't know, some of them connect, some of them don't. So I'm going to walk you through kind of my process of what happened yesterday, kind of explain um, everything in mass of what happened, because it was a lot that happened yesterday. And then I'm going to go in kind of to these further implications that I had, thoughts that I had, and, and prayers that I had, essentially. So basically it started out by me searching for some songs. I recently have been getting so tired of the songs I'm listening to because for me the thing is is like when I listen to music there are certain songs that I go so hard for when I first find them out because I love them so much. I like overly listen to them, overindulge basically in that because it's like once I find like a good song or like a couple of songs I just stop looking. And I think I need to develop a rhythm where I'm continuously looking for music so that it doesn't become something that like I'm overly indulging in, like a song that I'm overly indulging in. And then it just becomes distasteful to me because now a lot of the songs I listen to that are on my playlist, I'm like, I just kind of want to like throw up because I've just it's like I don't want to listen to them anymore. Like I'm finally out of my Hovey stage. Like I used to listen to Hovey literally every single day for the past two years. Like, and I finally have gotten to the point where I had to delete him off my playlist because I was like, I don't, I can't take it anymore. (laughs) I can't take it anymore. 
no, I'm just joking. I still love my boy Hovey. I'll listen to him anytime he comes on. But I was just like, I need to freshen up my playlist. So I was searching for some music. And basically how I was searching was, I forgot what popped up, but it was something on my on my recommended page. And it was like song, it was things that I've never listened to before. Um, but I was just looking for new types of music, like new genres of music. Because I didn't want to go with just the people that I con- that I normally listen to, you know how they have the release radar. Like I was going to listen to that, but then I was like, uh, like I just want to get something new. So I went to this thing. Let me see if I can find actually what it's called because I forgot. Maybe it'll inspire some of you guys too. So I'm going to look for it. It's um Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. I think it was called Okay, so basically I started out by listening to my release radar. And then I was like, eh, I don't want to do that. And so then PJ Morton came up. He's like an artist that I listen to. He came up um, as one, like his radio came up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll look at it. And then I was like, oh, I don't really feel this. Um, and then after that, I went to this playlist called The Flow. Um, and so I started, I think I started listening to that a little bit. But then I was like, I'm not really feeling like listening to a lot of like rap music right now. So then I forgot how I got there, but there was like another playlist that I was listening to. I want to find it. I'm being so particular right now, but I really want to find this. I forgot what it was called, but it was like something that they recommended. Like it was like pop bubbly or something like that. Like it was basically, um, oh, and it's not going to pop up because I didn't click it. Like, I didn't actually play it. I just clicked. You know how you can click on... So, on Spotify, you can click, like, the group of songs. And then you can just listen to, like, the 30 seconds of the song or whatever. Um, I was doing that because I felt like, you know, I can find some pretty good songs pretty quickly. So, I created this playlist of songs that I just wanted to listen to eventually. Um, because I... I don't know. I have just been lacking in the song category. I really wanted to have some really good songs. So, I just was going through clicking every 30 minute thing trying to see I mean 30 second thing trying to see which songs really like stuck out to me while I was going through that and then I also went to all through all of my the people that I follow um on Spotify and I started like taking some people off before I took them off I went through their radios to see like if there was any songs I wanted to listen to so essentially I just compiled this list of songs that I'm going to listen to throughout the week to try to figure out which songs I'm really liking um so far I'm really liking this song called why I love the moon by uh phony people I'm gonna put that actually in the show notes as well because that's a really good song really good song really good song um let me write that down so I can remember phony people why I love the moon but yeah, basically, um, so I was looking for songs and there was this song, this so so on one of the playlists, I was playing it and this song came up, right? Um, it's a very beautiful song. So at first I was drawn in by the beauty of the song because this artist can sing, like he sings really, really well. Um, I love his voice. It's very rich, very soulful. So I was listening to this song called Ali by Mustafa and or I think his name is I think his full like performance name is Mustafa the poet or something like that. Um, But basically I was listening to the song Ali and, you know, I felt something when I was listening to this song because it's just a, a very it's a song that's very like you feel the heartache and the longing in the song. 
And so I, I felt it, but I didn't really know what, what, it, what it meant because I was just like listening to the song at the surface level, right? I was just listening to it. I hadn't like, I, I was like going along through the experiences with him, but I didn't really know what was happening. So I was making like guesses and assumptions of like, oh, well, maybe this happened, maybe that happened. But then eventually as I was listening to the song, like, okay, so that was my first reaction as I was listening was like, okay, this is really deep, but I also don't know what's really going on. You know, like you can, you can hear certain phrases and words that you kind of piece together to try to figure out the meaning of the song. Um, but it wasn't until I actually looked it up, I did some research, I did some digging, I found how really rich this song was. Okay, so let me tell you what happened first. Listen to the song on Spotify, right? This is the process also that I want you guys to listen to it because I feel like it, well, you don't have to. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. You don't have to listen to it or like follow these things that I did in this order. But man, it was so impactful to do it in this order now there's obviously you can do it in whatever order you want to do it in but this is how I did it and I just I was literally overcome with emotions so basically I listened to the song first and I got the vibe of it I think by listening to it without knowing really what it was about first it was deep because I had to really hear his voice and his emotion how he was conveying his emotions through his song I had to hear that first so I think when you listen to it first, you really get like, I got, I want to say kind of like the texture. You want, you get kind of like the texture of his voice. You get the feel of like his feelings, you know? And then after I heard the song, I looked up like, what was it about? Because I wanted to know, I wanted to know why did he write this song and like, what was the meaning behind it? So I was looking it up. And basically the meaning behind it is one of his friends, and this is, they're, they're based in Toronto, so one of his friends, or downtown Toronto rather. So one of his friends, Ali Rezig, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Ali, and then his last name is R-I-Z-E-I-G or I-E-G, I can't remember which one, but I'm going to just call him Ali. So Ali basically was a young man about 18 years old who passed away in 2017 and this song was actually uh like the song was released on March 30th of this year so 2021 so it's been a couple years since his passing but man it still hit like so basically you know this young man they according to the news article that I was reading they hadn't figured out if it was a targeted shooting or if it was like you know just like just he happened to be the one that was being shot um some people believe that it was a targeted shooting based off of the choices that he was making but um, other people believe that it was like don't they don't know basically they hadn't come to a conclusion yet according to that article that I read now I don't know when that article was published I believe it was right as it happened but um so that was a while ago so they may have you know come to a, a resolution now I'm not entirely sure I didn't dig, do that much of research for that particular aspect of it um but basically yeah so there was like I think I believe they shot 10 times at his front door so you can see in this article I'm going to link that as well in the show notes the article has a picture where of his house where there's literally 10 bullet holes um on the door and so yeah um after man after after reading that and knowing okay that's the purpose behind this story 
uh, that he's telling through his song, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, it just, man, it made me so emotional, you know? And then I was looking, so basically there was another article that I was reading where it was talking about um, how he came to create the song and stuff like that. So it wasn't about, it wasn't a new story specifically about Ali's death and how it happened, but it was a story about how uh, Mustafa has kind of like risen in his career as a songwriter and as a singer and stuff like that. And um, basically it was um, talking about how the, it was talking about the album cover of this song, Ali, right? Uh, like it was talking about like the the cover I'm sorry the cover of the album and what it looked like and I'm gonna link that as well because that one was really really impactful but basically the cover of the album was this little kid um, who is like smiling beaming eyes are gleaming super adorable has dimples I mean just this kid that warms your heart and when you look at him and this kid probably about like you know six or seven in this picture that is Ali and when I saw that, man, I cried because I was like, I don't know. It was just the fact of seeing him as a child and then seeing him as an 18 year old when they had like they had various pictures of him as an 18 year old uh, or like one. I think the article I read had one picture of him as an 18 year old, but just seeing him as a child and then seeing how he's passed away now like that. It just it hurt my heart so much because I was like looking at him. And I was like, what if that had been my student? What if that had been my brother? What if that had been my friend, my son? Like, it was just so many thoughts going through my mind at that moment. And I literally, yesterday, I don't even know how long I spent crying. I'm pretty sure I spent a good two hours crying over this young man who I don't even know. I just, there was, it was just a, like, just a moment, you know? I think, um... I think sometimes I get desensitized to things that happen like this because you see it so frequently. Like you always hear um, about, you know, another African-American young man dying or another situation happening with the police and or another situation happening, you know, within the community and all of that stuff like that. But this one just hit me different. Um, I think it hit me different because I heard the song first. And I could really hear the pain in the song. It wasn't just like another news article or another news story that I heard. Like when you hear someone communicating their emotions and expressing their relationship with that person, you begin to see it less as a news story and as a, and you begin to see it more as an actual person. Like Ali and all of these other young black men who are passing away so young they are not just a news story, you know, they are actual humans. And it's easy to forget that when we become so desensitized to it because we hear it so frequently. But this just like, it struck a chord in me. And it just, I literally was bawling my eyes out for two hours yesterday because I I just had so much swelling emotion regarding this. So then I ended up watching the music video for it. And the music video was just as impactful. I mean, I'm really glad that I listened to the song before I watched the music video because if you t like when I had heard the audio and then saw the visual, like it helped me to better understand like what he what he was trying to convey 
through the music video you know what I mean because I feel like when you're listening to a song and then you're watching the music video it's like two competing things like you have to pay attention to the video and what's going on but also listen to the lyrics like when you're listening to it for the first time so I was really glad that I listened to the audio first and then watched the video and was like okay now I'm paying attention to the visuals and noticing what's going on so that was really like impactful as well Um, And I forgot to mention this earlier, but I also looked up the lyrics. So before I even looked up the news story to figure out what happened to Ali, I looked up the lyrics because I wanted to know, like, what was he saying? Um, And so as I looked up the lyrics, that's when I started realizing, like, the actual depth of the words that he was saying. And can I just say, this man, Mustafa, and I know that there are some other songwriters who collaborated with him on this song, hit the amount of intentionality that he put in his word choice like his the word choice of his song is is literally perfect within like a two to three minute song he conveyed so many emotions so so richly like when you listen to it it's just such a beautiful song when you listen to it it's like his his the, the words that he says is so perfect it's so perfect like I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever heard a song with such perfect words, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just it's perfect. It conveys the exact meaning of of what he's trying to say. And like, it's just the way it is. It just makes you feel something. It makes you feel something. And I think that's why it was so emotional for me, because I felt something when I was listening to that song. Um, And, you know, I listen I I feel like you know as as an African-American young woman growing up in an African-American household you know you're you hear this a lot we talk about this a lot we we are very desensitized to it I feel like as a culture because it's become sort of a norm and then to just I don't know to hear that song and to see that little boy who is now you know an 18 year old that passed away probably I think he would have been what 21 now um for him to for me to see him and kind of learn more about his life it was just man it was crazy and so I don't know why in particular I got so attached like I said I think the reason why I got so attached to this story is because of the song and how emotional that song is um and I think songs communicate such such deep emotions that you really can't help but not be attached to it but part of me was just so so avid in learning more about the situation um and so I really did do a lot of research like I was I was looking at the news article I was looking at the like something that was like describing the lyrics and stuff like that I was looking at I was listening to the song over and over again trying to get a feel for it looking at that picture literally I was looking at that picture of Ali when he was like seven or eight or six or seven I don't know I was looking at the picture of him when he was a little boy and man just looking at that I was staring at that and crying for a good 15 minutes like it's just it's just so sad because you never you never know who it's gonna be and like I don't know the whole situation in details I don't know what he got involved in I don't know any of the, any of that but it just reminded me of other situations of things that happened to young men um that you that aren't 
that like they didn't decide that like it was someone else it was just them being them and it was someone else who came in and you know harmed them in some way and so yeah I think it just man it just it broke my heart because I was like am I like I was like I just started thinking of all these what if situations I was like what if you know this were my son my child my brother my friend like I just I felt all these swelling emotions this empathy for the people who are now you know without him um and then I also was thinking about like all the other little young black men that I come in contact with on a daily basis like I remember um going to a basketball game on Saturday and literally you know right across from me like right beside me was this little black boy with the cutest little smile so adorable with his hair he was also wearing little baby crocs I love kids who wear little baby crocs because they're just they're so tiny um but just looking at like I when I heard this story and I I looked at Ali's picture I thought of that little boy and I was like what if that had been him like we don't know you know you never know you never know you never know and I'm just I'm so grateful first of all for for being able to come across this song thank you lord thank you holy spirit for letting me come across this song and instantly be attached to it um second of all i want to thank mustafa for creating this song and writing this from from that emotional well that he has you know as a result of of his friend passing um like it just the song it just it does what it needs to do it does what it needs to do it's literally written so beautifully um and so yeah I just you know that was something that I just started started thinking about um I just started thinking about all these what if scenarios like what if that had been so and so you know and I started thinking about all of the people I used to know at friendship the church that I used to go to um and how a lot of them I've heard are you know I've heard through gossiping so I don't know the depth or extent of these situations I don't know if they still are or are not it's been a little while since then but from what I've heard there's a couple of young men who I grew up with in that church who are involved in some things and making some decisions that aren't necessarily um, of their best interest and just hearing everything all of it just compiling into this huge emotion I just kept thinking about the people I know you know and being like man what if that was them like what if that was Keandre or Andre or Eric or Jordan you know like I don't know (laughs) I don't know and so that's just like the saddest thing you know saddest thing it's really disheartening man and um yeah so I just would suggest when you listen to this song uh or when you, if you're if you want to hear more about this song, I'm gonna link everything in this order. But I want you to listen to the song, just the lyrics first. Maybe even if you get the chance to listen to it twice, then I want you to read the lyrics. This is oh, so this is the order I did it. I actually wrote down the order that I did it in. So the order that I did it in was I listened to the song I think twice because it's just such a the way he sings, his his voice is so rich and like the little runs that he does it's oh it's gorgeous so listen to the song just the lyrics first maybe even twice like two times if you want um read the lyrics then watch the video okay that's how i did it and then read the articles that i put 
Okay, so <laughs> it turns out I was wrong about how I actually did it. But yes, that is that is the order that I did it in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just something that was like so impactful to me. And I hope that one day I can come back and listen to this video or this podcast rather. And I can like feel the same feelings that I felt. That's why I'm being so strategic and letting... I know this is like for you guys who are out there listening, but this is also for me because I want to be able to come back to this podcast and, and, and feel this same feeling, like remember this experience and remember these emotions because this has hit me. And I'm going to talk about a little bit later how specifically this has hit me, but man, this hit me hard. I kid you not. I was crying straight for two hours. Like I planned on going to sleep at seven. I was, no, at eight, I was trying to go to sleep. I was up till 10 still crying still like you know reading and and writing about this experience so man it just you know that's just how I feel (laughs) um and so as a result of listening to this song of having these crying sessions of writing all of this stuff down you know I So basically, I'm going to tell you some of the things that I wrote down. Um, So some of the things that I wrote down was, and this is just going to be so sporadic, but I'm hoping that it comes together at some point. I wrote down that justice and equity on this earth can be gained, but never in full and never maintained or sustained because the God of this present age, who's the devil, doesn't have it in him. The devil does not have justice or equity in him. So he can only give what he has, which is death, destruction, defeat, disappointment, confusion, all of that. Since he cut himself from God, that's all he has. So he cut himself from the source of justice and equity. God is a God of justice and equity. In case you didn't know, news alert, news flash buddy, um, God is a God of justice and equity. And so because the devil cut himself from God, he literally wanted to separate himself from God out of pride, wanted to separate himself from God. He now has none of that. He does not have justice in him. He does not have equity in him. And so because he is the God of this world right now, he has, he has full reign over the world right now. Right now. I'm telling you right now. That's how he has it right now. Because he is reigning right now, as a leader, he does not have justice and equity in him. And so when we get in this world and we expect justice and equity to be served... We have to remember that we live in a world that is ruled by someone who does not have it in him. So if he doesn't have it in him, how can you expect it to be done? You know what I mean? Like in full and and be sustained, you know, because when you think about it, there's justice and equity served in certain periods of history and it's served to its fullest. Right. Sometimes it's served to its fullest, but it's never sustained. When you think about people who were during the civil rights era protesting. They receive justice for what they were going for, but that justice is not sustained because you still see injustice and inequity to this day. Or when you think about people who are seeking justice and equity, they seek it and they get it and they gain it, but it's not in full. It's like partly there. You know what I mean? Like I think of like when people wanted the right to vote, right? They gain the right to vote. That was a justice that was served to them, but it came in pieces because they got the right to vote, but then they had to go through all these Jim Crow laws and all of that stuff like that. 
So when you think about it really, and even what we're facing today with Black Lives Matter, with police brutality, and that's just in America, thinking about all the other injustices and racial inequities that are faced all around the world, when you think about that, justice and equity is really never going to be served in full and for a sustained period of time because God is not here. And God is the God of justice and equity. Like he's the only one who has it fully in him to be just and to be equitable. And so it's not until he returns that we're going to see it in full. Now, does that mean that we should not <laughs> aim for justice and equity on earth? on earth? No, but we should not put our hope in our efforts. We should not put our hope in us trying to gain equity and justice for certain things. We need to place that hope in God because he's the only one that can do it. And so when we expect the world to be just, when we expect our systems to be just, when we expect our social and, and political and all that stuff like that, campaigns and leaders, when we expect that to bring about justice, we're putting our hope in the wrong thing because it'll never do that. Because we're putting our hope in the world when we do that. And who's running the world? Hot girls. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Get it? Because like, you know, Beyonce's song, Who Run the World? Anywho, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're putting our hope in the world, which means, which means we're putting our hope in what Satan has rule over. And when you think about that, like Satan, he has no ability to be just or equitable, you know, only God has that. And so that's all he has. So that's all he can give. You can only give what you have, you know, and so Satan can't give what he doesn't have. And he doesn't have justice and equity. He doesn't have peace and love in him. So he can't give none of that. All he can give is death and destruction and defeat and disappointment and confusion. Which is why we live in the world we live in. Because that's all he can give. Um, and so I wrote that. But then I also said, but when we come under the sovereign reign of God in his kingdom, justice and equity will be abundant because he is a God of justice and equity. He loves it and he wants it for all of us. So God isn't sitting up in heaven talking about some, yeah, that's what they deserve. Or like he just wants people to be hurt or harmed. He doesn't want that. He's allowing it for this present age because he's waiting for that right time, planning that right time when he's going to return. Like he doesn't want people to die. He doesn't want people to face injustice and inequity. That's just how things are now because as sinful human beings we still continue to choose what we want to do as opposed to choosing him and so god is like yo i'm giving you the time right now to choose me you need to make that choice to choose me quit trying to chase your own ambitions trying to chase your own way of getting justice and equity follow me choose me that's all he's saying and it's not until he returns and, and delivers justice and equity in full that we'll really be able to experience true justice and true equity. And he loves it. He wants it. That's why God is a just God. He, that's why he is going to judge sin and judge, judge and give us the consequences of our decisions because he is a just God. He wants to deliver justice and equity to all. And so, anywho, <laughs> um, that was one thing that I came to better understand yesterday was that, you know, not only is God a God of justice and equity, but this world is ruled by Satan who has no justice, no equity within him. So he can't even give it. 
and that's why the world is the way that it is um yeah so that was pretty much it on that now on to another topic that was revealed while I was um doing this basically there's a verse in the bible that says that those who suffer with Christ are rewarded with him essentially and I believe that Paul wrote this I'm not entirely sure like where where specifically this was written but basically um I wrote down that this is why we must teach God's word um especially as black people because who in America can identify more with suffering than black people like we in America who can identify more with suffering than black people I mean I'm not gonna put it on a scale of like we've suffered the most there's other people who of course have suffered as well but when I think about it I just and you know like when you think about like Native Americans and, and people uh from who were indigenous to America who got pushed off of their land and stuff like that they as well have faced immense suffering but when I think about it I just think about like the fact that we have faced such intense suffering so we can relate to God in his suffering which also means that if we can relate to God in his suffering I mean relate to Jesus in his suffering then we will also be rewarded with him um in his glory we will be glorified with him in his glory just like how he suffered and was beaten and bruised and chastised and all that stuff like that and then died on the cross and then was risen again and now is seated in glory with God so we will too because of our suffering we are able to relate to Christ more and so this is why I think it's so important for people to teach about the kingdom of God and let me tell you Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God when you read through the gospels Jesus is always talking about his father <laughs> and he's always talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven which is basically where God is ruling you know and he's always talking about that and I always thought that was interesting I was always like why is Jesus always so adamant about teaching about the kingdom of God and when you think about it when you focus on the kingdom of God as opposed to focusing on this world it's immensely different like we have to teach people about the kingdom of God because that is where true justice true equity true love true freedom like that is where that is where it is that's where it's at you know what i'm saying god's rule god's sovereign rule is the only thing that is ever going to change what's wrong in this world and one day this kingdom the kingdom of this world is going to be subject to god's rule and that day i can't wait for i'm so excited for that day when he returns and he's going to set everything right everything's going to be under his sovereign rule because when you think about everything that this world like everything we're doing constantly the the battles that we're facing all these struggles like man that is it's terrible it really is it really is and and a lot of times i feel like i lose hope cuz i'm like god like what are we going to do like there's no way that we can change everything that we're facing down here and god is like Listen, it's not up to y'all to change everything that's going on down here. Now you can make little impacts, but I would rather you focus on my kingdom and teach people about my kingdom than be out here trying to, you know, secure justice and equity for yourselves. Like we take it into our own hands trying to and I'm not saying these things are bad, trying to protest, um rioting trying to do all of these things establish legislature all that stuff like that we take that into our own hands trying to do that when god is like that's never going to actually dig out the roots of the problem 
that's just cutting off the surface. It's not digging out the roots. If you're just clipping the weeds at the surface of the ground, if you clip weeds from the ground up, they're never actually going to go away because the roots of the weeds are still inside of the soil. So you have to dig deep to get those roots out, pull them out. You can't just rip the weeds from the top. And that's exactly what protesting and rioting and um, developing movements, political and social movements, that's exactly what writing books and all that stuff like that is doing. It's just trying to clip the weeds at the top. It's not until we truly focus on the kingdom of God and teach people about the kingdom of God that hearts begin to change. And when hearts begin to change, that's digging out the roots. That's when we start seeing people's lives changing because it all starts with the heart. It all starts with your mindset, with you focusing on God's kingdom and knowing how to read his word. I was writing about this yesterday, but basically like my two main passionate things that I'm like the two main things that I'm passionate about right now is like a kingdom focus, focusing on God's kingdom, and then also teaching people how to read God's word critically and how to apply it to their lives. Because I realized that if you don't know how to read, you like, okay, basically the thing is like a hole in a tree and a tree and a hole in a hole in the ground type of thing. But basically like, how can you know about God's kingdom if you don't know about God? And how can you know about God if you don't know how to read his word? And how can you know how to read his word if you don't know how to read well, you know? There's a lot of people who don't know how to read well, or they can read, but they don't know how to read God's word well. And I was like, man, that just became like a little bit of a passion, not a little bit, a lot of bit of a passion for me, because I was like, I really want to help people know how, how, first of all, have access to God's word, but second of all, know how to read his word well, where it's not just like, oh, I'm just looking, you know, at, I'm just reading this and just Okay, like knowing the context of it, knowing how to critically read God's word, like using critical thinking skills to decode what you're reading, to comprehend what you're reading, to understand what you're reading, and then to respond well to that reading. Because there's these things that we do in class called reading responses, where basically you read a text and then you respond to a text. That's what we need to teach people how to do is how to read a text and knowing how to respond to a text whether that response is prayer whether that response is sharing it with someone whether that response is writing about it whether that response is acting like it we need to teach people how to do that how to read with spirit spirit led and spirit fed. oh my gosh i forgot about this but i gotta go get my other notes i might have to pause this and go get my other notes because my other notes are in my like in my journal But basically, I was writing about this yesterday, too, is like, um, basically, I was writing about how important it is for people to know how to read God's word. And I was reminded of like when my mom was doing Bible study and how she used to show these Bible project videos. And like, literally, I remember kids coming wanting to hear this because what my mom was showing them was feeding their spirits. And it was leading them to the right direction. It was answering the questions that they had and the misconceptions that they were developing. It was addressing these concerns and it was teaching them about God's word and how to read it, what it means. I remember her showing videos about like, you know, basically how people have questions about like the the Trinity, like how is God three in one, da, 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 da. And there was a Bible project video that discussed how God is three in one and how God is like a a three-dimensional figure, whereas we are like two-dimensional, like we can't understand his power in 
and the Trinity and all that stuff like that because he's in 3D. We're in 2D. <laughs> and like, I don't know, just the way that it was phrased, it was like really, really cool. And so when people have that, they're able, especially young, young children, when they have that, they're able to understand God in a better way because they know how to read his word now. They know that when they read God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit in the word of God, they can put it in a frame of reference that they're able to understand. Like that is powerful. And it just got me thinking, like, how different could Ali's life or any other other people's names who I don't even know names, people who are who are who are nameless to me that I don't know who are losing their lives on the daily? Um, how different could their lives have been had they understood the word of God? Like, had they been able to read the word of God or had they had a kingdom focus, you know, or how different could our responses to the loss of their lives been had we all had kingdom focus and known like okay even though he's lost his life we know that he's in heaven right now with our lord and savior jesus christ like how i don't know how different would that have been that's what i'm wondering because and i know this is jumping all over the place i'm gonna address something else and then i'm gonna jump to this but basically like when i was writing down all of that stuff yesterday i was writing just about how ali's life mattered to god and how because his life mattered to God, it's important that his life matters to us. And as a community, especially as church communities, we need to develop that lens of these children, these young adults, these young people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they need to matter to us. And we need to make sure that they know that they matter to us, that we teach them about his kingdom and about what he has in store for them when he returns. Not with this wishful thinking of like, oh, yeah, everything's going to be great when God comes back. No, teaching them the reality of like, this is what you see on earth right now. But that's because earth is being ruled by someone who is distanced from God, who has cut himself off from God was literally everything but who God is so when you get in the presence of God it's going to be something drastically different we need people who are passionate and preaching about that not just preaching about and I'm not going to hate on people who preach about this because this is important too but we also need to incorporate this aspect of the kingdom of God not just preaching about dating relationships because yeah dating relationships helps us right now in this moment but what about future moments when people have questions about heaven when people have questions about god yes we need to know (laughs) how to date well and how to guard each other's hearts and all of that stuff like that but we also need to know about these other things too and i think that i feel like just ministries don't talk enough about the reality of heaven and hell and they don't talk enough about the reality of spiritual warfare and what it really means you know like that's not talked about enough i feel like so maybe i'll start talking about it more I think I am going to start talking about it more starting today. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) No, but really talking about the reality of heaven and hell. Like we don't discuss that enough. I feel like, um, and when we do, we discuss it at a very surface level. It's not very deep. Um, yeah. And when I was writing yesterday, I realized that all people, whether young or old, but specifically young, they desire to 
be led spiritually led and spiritually fed and that's my whole thing right now it's like we need to spiritually lead and spiritually feed our young people because they are the next generation rising up we need mentors and people pastors preachers teachers mentors whatever to spiritually lead people to guide them to say listen i know that you're going to make your own choices you're going to make your own mistakes you're going to make good choices too i'm going to be here as a spiritual mentor to help lead you in the right direction to not only not only want the position of a mentor because so many people want to be mentor and they want to you know they want to they want to be in the position of a mentor but not have the responsibility of a mentor because a true mentor doesn't just talk to people about what they need to do doesn't just talk to young people about this is how you should be living your life but they're praying for them praying with them praying for them literally going to the throne of god every day on their behalf that's what a true mentor is um that's how you truly lead young people is by praying for them and praying with them setting that example because that's the only way you can really really even impact their life is through prayer and then on top of that spiritually feeding people what are we helping them like what are we giving them because our example is what we're feeding them that's what they're consuming and if all you're consuming is negative things things that are worldly things that are reflecting satan and his desire for us to be drawn even farther away from god then that's what you're going to start doing is being drawn even farther away from god because you don't have anything else that's feeding your spirit and telling you otherwise and yeah that just is something that really stands out to me and it's something that I really am like passionate about it's like how are we leading our youth and what are we feeding our youth that's what I want to know because I'm seeing right now that if you're not leading them if you're not if the church is not leading them if the church is not feeding them then Satan will Satan's like, no, this is, I, I take, I take pride in this. Satan is coming over here talking about some, I, it's easy for us to get food. It's like this. It's like, if you're not feeding your children healthy food, they can get food. They it, it, it's junk food is plenty available, plenty available. It's easier to eat junk food and convenient food and fast food than it is to get an actual healthy, wholesome meal. But if you make it your purpose to feed your children healthy and wholesome meals, then they're going to eat healthy and wholesome meals. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they're going to grow up as they get older and have a distaste for junk food and have a love and passion for healthy food. And when it's done right, of course. And so when people get so surprised that young people are making bad decisions that are ending up causing their lives or... When people are like, just, I, I'm just like, how are you surprised when we are the ones that are failing them? We are the ones that are not leading them and not feeding them and allowing the enemy to have this influence. Now, I do have to say, it is still a choice. It is still their choice to make their own decisions. It's still their choice to do what they want to do. But like the Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When we train up our children in the right way, first of all, they're going to be old. Because it didn't say if he gets old. It says when he is old. So when you train up your child in the right way, 
First of all, that just says they're going to have longevity of life. It says when they get old, not if they get old, when they get old, they will depart. They will not depart from it. That second part meaning they're not going to leave that way that you taught them. Now, they may stray away from it, try to find a way around it, but ultimately they are not going to depart, literally leave for good from that, from that, that you taught them. Um, and I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like we need spiritual guidance of our youth to spiritually lead and to spiritually feed our youth because they need it and they want it. That's the thing too. Like I remember when my mom used to do the Bible study at our church, I never saw as many teens in our teen ministry as I did when we had Bible study and teen choir. Like I remember people even bringing their friends literally these kids could drive they could choose whether or not they wanted to come and they could they could drive like they had they were autonomous individuals they could make their own decisions on whether or not they wanted to come no one was forcing them it wasn't like their parents were like okay guys we're gonna go like they could drive themselves and a lot of times they came themselves or with a friend I'm like and I remember one time my mom showing a video I looked up and we had to get more chairs so that these kids could have a place to sit. People wanted to come. Like that is something that is so, it makes me want to cry because it's like these people, like these young men, young black men. <laughs> Let's not forget that because I was at black church. Young black men, young black women choosing to come be in the presence of God. Because why? Why? They were being fed. They were being led in the right direction. The Bible project was teaching them truth, something they hadn't heard before. I mean, not that they hadn't heard it before, but something that they hadn't heard regularly, consistently. Something that was answering their questions, addressing their misconceptions, and helping them inquire further about God. That's what we need. That's what we want. And it makes me want to cry because I'm just like, I'm so passionate about this. Like, I feel bad because back in the day, I used to, like, bash on my mom because I thought she wasn't doing what she needed to do because I was like, this is how this is. Like, you know me. I get so amped up in, in what I want and what I desire. And so look, I was very, very selfish at that time, thinking that the way that I wanted to teach should have been the way that she was teaching. But now as I'm older, I recognize the error of my ways, and I recognize just how much of an impact my mother had. And I'm really... Uh, thankful for that impact that she had and I'm grateful for that example that she set because I'm literally looking at this example that she set and, and what she did for them and how much they loved her like literally they listened to her and when she spoke <laughs> when she spoke they listened it wasn't like just oh I'm just gonna like no they listened I listen <laughs> and it's just like I don't know that just that hits me that hits me in my heart that hits me in my heart um <clears throat> it's something about teen ministry that I love like teen and young adult ministry I mean I love children's when I love children in general but it's just something about that that just pulls at my heart that's just like I I want to be a part of it I don't want to be the leader because I feel like I don't know much because I'm, I'm still a teen myself. But it's just something I want to be a part of, you know, just to further that ministry. Um, 
And so, yeah, um, I'm going to jump back to another topic that I was talking about earlier, just so you can know why I put this in the show notes. But basically, I put in the show, I'm going to put in the show notes um, a, a podcast that I was listening to um, on 30 Minutes with the Perrys, where they kind of discussed this same topic of like black churches and things of that sort. And they kind of mentioned this same concept of like, who's able to identify with suffering more than black people. And um, I'm going to put that in there as well um, and kind of so that you can understand why that's there. That's why I mentioned that. Um, yeah. And then I think KB and Amin have a podcast on this, too. I didn't get the chance to look at it before I started this. So I will look in if they do have one from Southside Rabbi as well. I'm going to put it down there. Um, I'm also going to put their podcast about um, like satanic symbols and things of that sort so that we can better understand like really the depth that satan goes to to try to distract us and to try to get us apart from god like satan's whole goal is to keep us away from god because he knows that when we spend time with god we are going to love god more than ourselves like god is one of the okay listen listen hear me out god is like those people that like when you show up you just instantly like when you're around them you just instantly fall in love with them you can't help not to fall in love with them like it reminds me of like jovan <laughs> like anytime you're around jovan you're just instantly like man i love this dude or like logan my friend logan literally the one of the most lovable people i've ever met in my entire life literally i'm not even joking like i feel like it sounds like i'm exaggerating but i'm not logan is one of those people and jovan also is one of those people where they are just so lovable like you can't not love them i've never heard anyone hate either of them for a valid reason like they are just the most lovable people and that's what i think of when i think of god is like i think of someone who like the the more time you spend with him the more you begin to realize just how awesome he is and how much you love him how funny he is like you stop focusing on yourself because you start falling in love with god and that's what the devil hates the devil hates when we fall in love with god the devil hates when we spend time with god so he does anything and everything he can to get us from spending time with god so that we can't because the the devil knows that that when we spend time with god in god's presence he knows that God can use that. God will literally, like, God, all we have to do is be in God's presence and we'll be transformed, you know? And the devil hates that because he knows just how truthful that is. And so I think that's why it's so important for us to really talk to people about these things and, and help them read God's word. Because I know for me, because I'm able to read God's word, I am changed. I remember... Um, I remember being the first time I really started feeling God moving in my heart. Like when I like it wasn't just like a ritual of like, oh, I go to church and da, 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 like I'm a church girl or whatever, you know, like when I really started fully accepting God in my heart and truly like being moved by the Holy Spirit, it was through his word. It was also through song, too. That was a big that was a big I listen. I feel like I get really emotional about songs. I'm going to talk about that in a moment, but it was really God's word that I had begun reading um, independently. I had began reading God's word and learning more about him. And that's when I started feeling the Holy Spirit moving in me. So when people say, oh, you have to go evangelize and you have to go tell people about God. I'm like, you should. 
but God can tell people about himself through his word. What we really need to do is give people access to God's word, teach them about his kingdom and why it's important to know about his kingdom and have a kingdom focus, and to show people how to read God's word so that when they're in their own time, in their own troubles, in their own disparities, they can pick up God's word and read it and be encouraged and literally have the voice of God speaking to them. Because that's what it does. Every time you read God's word, it's the voice of God speaking to you. Because God, it, all of scripture is God-breathed. It says that somewhere, I think at First or Second Timothy, I don't remember. But all of scripture is God-breathed. So you will literally hear the voice of God through his word. And so when people, you know, talk about how we have to do this, that, and the third in order to evangelize the people, I'm like, no, God's word does that already. Yes, we need mentorships and we need discipleship. That's another thing I want to talk about is discipleship within the black community, uh, with that, within black churches. But I just feel like knowing how to read God's word and how to read it well, that's the beginning of it. You know, like that's really like where, where we should start. Um, I want to hit on this topic of discipleship and how basically I don't really see a lot of discipleship going on within black churches. I do see discipleship happening in some white churches. Um, it's, it probably happens in more, like it probably happens in more places than I think, to be honest. I just don't really know from my experiences with black churches. I have, um, not really had much experiences with discipleship and mentorship and what that really looks like. But I know that within my white church community that I'm a part of in the Navigators, I know that they do a lot of discipleship. And that is something that I really want to explore further. And I want to like see happening within a lot of black churches too. Because I think, you know, like they have a lot, like as black churches, we have a lot of mentor programs where we address the surface level issues. We address things like, you know, like they have a lot of things like black men, like, you know, we need to teach our black men how to, we need to, you know, help our black men, teach our black men how to, how to dress professionally for a job, how to da, 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 da. Okay. Yeah, that's important. But what's more important is teaching people about the kingdom of heaven, because yes, you could dress nice for a job, but you can still be shot down the next day. That's just how our world is. You know what I mean? And so for us to talk about the only talk about these things, only talk about how to help people get out of financial disparity or only talk about how our black men need to have good role models. Yes, they do, but Jesus is the ultimate role model and that's who we should be pointing them to because at any given moment, at any given time, anything wrong could happen. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. And so if we don't teach our young black men in particular because there's a target on their backs, but if we don't teach our black youth (laughs) the black youth if we don't teach our black youth about the kingdom of heaven where are they gonna go when these bad things happen because bad things are gonna happen things unprecedented things are gonna happen things that we didn't even expect are gonna happen and we need to be sure of the place that they are gonna be and we also need to have a community who's able to band together at these times um and and pray and be deeper in the relationship with God it makes me think of this I remember when Emma passed away right and this is this is me getting into the topic of the importance of teaching about heaven wait before I jump into that I want to talk about something real quick I just want to say real quick I get very emotional I I didn't touch back on this yet but I want to touch on this now I get very emotional when it comes to songs and I didn't realize it because I thought that new life was the first place that I really started like 
growing in my relationship, like in my knowledge and relationship with God. But actually, it was actually at friendship that I started actually, (laughs) I said actually so many times, but it was actually at friendship that I really started growing in my knowledge of God. And I know like that friendship was not a really like spiritually leading and spiritually feeding place, but I remember hearing like songs being sung and it was like the same songs that we always sang but for some reason it hit different and I literally was in tears almost every Sunday because the songs were just hitting me in a new way and that was because the Holy Spirit was moving in me through his word through songs through prayer and yeah I remember just my friends (laughs) Oh, my friends were always making fun of me like, oh, Hannah, are you going to cry today? I was like, I don't know <laughs> because it's just, the songs hit me. And I think the songs hit me first before anything else really hit me. Um, so I guess I get really moved by, by music. I think that's why when I was listening to that song, um, Ali, that I was really moved more than I had really ever been regarding issues of, you know, like black lives and things of that sort, because um it was in song form and it really hit me that way and I remember taking a test one time and it said that like the way that I learn best is like through music or something like that and I guess that's true I think that's true um but I'll dive into that another day this 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 podcast is not about me but I just yeah I wanted to throw that out there that like that was something I wanted to touch on so I touched on it okay cool now let's go back to the importance of teaching about the kingdom of heaven when my friend Emma passed away Emma's passing taught me about the kingdom of heaven I don't think the kingdom of heaven was really real to me it was real but it wasn't as like I guess understandable or accessible or tangible to me until her passing like it wasn't until she passed away that I was like yo the kingdom of heaven is like actually a thing and like we need to be prepared for it like we need to be prepared for when God returns um or when he calls us to heaven because like I just, I don't know, it just, it, it was real to me when she, when she passed away, it became tangible to me. I was really like, okay, we need to have a kingdom focus. Like we need to be talking about, I need to be talking about and learning about, um, what is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that type of stuff. How do I live out my purpose here on earth so I can get into heaven? You know, like that was, that became my goal. Cause I was like, yo, Emma lived out her purpose in God so dutifully while she was on earth that he said I'm gonna take you home early and I was like because she was only 19 when she passed away so I was like man like I want to do my duty here on earth so I can go home it's like when you're at a hotel you know sometimes there's good moments at the hotel but ultimately it's not as comfortable it's not as it's not home it's not home and so right now on earth we're at a hotel we are we are we are and it's not until God returns that we're gonna go home and when you think about it like I just I get I'm just I'm I want to be in heaven like the kingdom of heaven when you really think about the kingdom of heaven and what all of that entails like it is such a beautiful place like think about all of the beautiful things on here on earth right now think about beautiful sunsets and sunrises think about nature think about all of these glorious things just these little pockets and beautiful things that's going to be enhanced when we get to heaven I feel like like I think everything good on earth is going to be even better when we get to heaven 
you know? And all of the bad things on earth, like corruption and greed and sadness and depression, I think all of that is going to be even worse when you, when people go to hell. Like, I think that's what hell's going to be like. It's, it's going to be like everything that's bad on earth is going to be amplified. And everything that's good on earth is going to be amplified in heaven, you know? And so when Emma's passed away, it really taught me the importance of focusing on God's kingdom, recognizing that, like, it shocked me because it was so sudden. Um, and it was also during a period of time where I was just heavily focused on, like, everything going on in the world. Like, I was like, man, I got to get this done, this done, this done. Like, I got to do all this work, all this stuff like that. And when she passed away, it made me realize, like, yo, no day is promised. Like, at any moment, you could be gone. And you need to ensure that your relationship with God is solid, you know? Um, and it just made me start focusing on, on the kingdom of heaven more. Um, and now, through Ali's passing... It taught me the importance of focusing on God's kingdom as a black person in this world. Because, <laughs> yeah, when Emma passed away, it made me focus on myself and be like, man, I need to start focusing on the kingdom of God. But with Ali's passing, it made me realize just how much we as black people need to focus on the kingdom of God. Because we're never going to see or receive the justice and equity that we need and deserve here on earth. You know, that I'm just being straight up. We're not. Because there's always going to be something that we're disadvantaged in i think about it like this i was reading a little bit on like how are how are why are a lot of the major cities this is what i was wondering because i was like i noticed that a lot of the major cities like places that everyone's like oh this is so cool like a lot of the major cities within america and like canada as well um because ali was you know all of them mustafa and all of them were from canada um but I was like, why are a lot of the major cities, a lot of the places where, you know, it's like a lot of like the urban places or whatever, you know, how they be talking about like um, inner city and stuff like that. I was always wondering, like, why are they the major cities? And what happened was basically I was reading about like the the ghetto. That's what, you know, that's what we call it, the ghetto. But basically like inner cities in the ghetto and, you know, urban areas and stuff like that, all synonymous terms. Um Basically, what happened was a lot of people were trying to leave the antebellum South. So, you know, this kind of like racist supremacist, white supremacist South. Um, and they were trying to move to the North for greater opportunities during the Great Migration period. So this was like, you know, right after uh, this was right after, I believe. So slavery had already, you know, stopped. I believe this was right after segregation. Like this is during the period of segregation. Um, and I think there was a lot of, you know, bills and stuff like that passed during this time to stop segregation. And so segregation was not um, prevalent in the North, but it was prevalent in the South still. And so basically a lot of uh, African-Americans and their families, they moved to they moved up north to a lot of these um, made, like to these other places so they could get greater opportunities. And I want to read a little bit of. Um, the article that I was reading. So this was from Wikipedia. Now y'all don't hate on Wikipedia. Let me tell you something. Wikipedia is actually very helpful because it gave me a it gave me an overview of what I wanted to know. Um, but also Wikipedia has down below like references too. So like if you really want to find the like exact stuff, because I know people say like oh you can edit Wikipedia and all that stuff like that. But if you want to find the actual like real stuff, you can go down to the references and find where they got their sources from. And read those things but I wanted to learn about just kind of like the essentially like the white flight you know like like what happened there because 
white flight was a result of the great migration where a lot of black families were moving up north and I want to find the specific places where um, okay yeah I found it okay so basically the great migration so this happened in 1914 to 1970 was a period when over a million African Americans moved out of the rural southern United States to escape the widespread of racism of the South to seek out employment opportunities in urban environments. So basically they moved to places, and this is, this is where you get to the major cities part, they moved to places such as New York City, Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, Pittsburgh, um, Los Angeles, Oakland, Portland, and Seattle. And I was wondering why a lot of the major cities are places where you see a lot of disparity, places where you see a lot of um, just like poverty and where they tend to be a lot of like areas where it's predominantly black it's predominantly poverty uh like predominantly people who are in poverty and a lot of times it tends to be the areas in which like there's a lot more crime heavy police brutality stuff like that i was wondering like why in these major like why in these major cities and i think that is an answer it's not the only answer but it's an answer like a, a answer that could be potentially describing some of that so basically what happened was when all these black people started moving in the white people up north they were like oh like you know yeah we're not segregated up here but we also don't want to live next to you <laughs> you know like jimmy like we mm, we're not out overt racist like the south but we also don't want to live with you and so I feel like a lot of people started moving, a lot of white people started moving to more suburban areas. And when white people moved, their wealth and their um, like economic advantages, because, you know, they have basically white people had all the power. They still do a little bit. It's not all the power, but they have a lot of the power and a lot of the wealth. They have a lot more power and wealth than we think. And so when they moved, all of that moved from these flourishing, thriving urban areas all of those employment opportunities that the black people were seeking after because they saw how flourishing these cities were all of those employment opportunities gone because all the white people had left so that is an explanation as to why a lot of these like urban cities inner cities all that stuff like that are the way that they are because they don't have as many advantages or opportunities as people because the the people have left so anywho that was a whole off tangent topic but i don't even know how i got there but that was something that i looked up and i found that very very interesting um and so yeah as black people we're always going to be at a disadvantage someone's always going to be at a disadvantage not even just as black people any minority in any vicinity whether it's a minority religion minority race minority language any vicinity where you are a minority you're always going to be at a disadvantage because that's just how the world is like you cannot expect from the world what it cannot give the world cannot give justice and equity because the world is not ruled currently at this present time by god he has his hand over everything at the end of the day but for right now he has allowed satan to have rule over this earth and you know part of me is like well why like why can't he just like stop it you know I'm like why can't he just you know say all right guys like I'm over this now like Satan's gone I'm over this now like I'm because he ultimately has control over everything so I'm wondering like why does he do that but I think he does it to like to I don't know 
That's a good question. That's something I'll further research. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Um, that's what the Bible is for, because the Bible answers all these questions. So, I don't know this answer. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you help me to find this answer as I'm reading your word. That you just lead me to understand this better, because that's something that I don't actually understand, but I'd like to. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, Emma's passing reminds me of the, the importance of focusing on God's kingdom, because... At any moment in time, you could be gone or at any moment in time, he could come back. Um, and Ali's passing taught me just how important it is to focus on God's kingdom as a black person in this world. Um, because, man, the targets are on our backs. They are. And the only, like, we can't, yeah, anywho, the only way that we will ever find true justice is when we put our faith and trust in God. Because he's the only one that can deliver true justice and freedom. Um, and we can't do nothing but be like Nehemiah. Like if you go through and read Nehemiah, I really highly encourage you to do so. Because Nehemiah is a really great book to read. Specifically regarding, you know, um, this type of issue. Um, basically what happened in, in Nehemiah was in Jerusalem, their city. So some people were taken into captivity. Nehemiah was actually a person who was taken into captivity. But he was a cupbearer of the king. So that means he drank, you know, the, the king's wine before the king drank it just in case it was poisonous or something like that. So he was the cupbearer. So he was very high up. He was living luxury. He was living comfortably, all that stuff like that. He had a he was in captivity still, but he was living a lot better than some of his um, some of the, the people of Israel, other people of Israel. Um, but still, he was in captivity. No, don't negate that. Like just because he was, you know, having nice robes and stuff like that doesn't mean he was still living good life because he was still in captivity so <laughs> you know yeah it, captivity looked different for other people than it did for him but he was still in captivity and so basically he heard about how jerusalem had been broken down like basically jerusalem jerusalem's wall was broken down which meant their defense their protection their provision like all of that was gone and then Nehemiah began praying and crying out to God and fasting, which is also something I'm interested in doing, fasting. Um, but he began praying and crying out to God, and he was like, listen, like, God, my people are facing this. Lord, forgive us for our sins, our sins, all of us, the sins that I've done, the sins that they've done, the sins that we've all done. Lord, forgive us of our sins, God, um, and restore our land, basically, is what he was asking God to do. He was like, Lord we we need restoration we need to rebuild jerusalem and so then god told him what to do and he ended up going to the king asking the king if he could go back to jerusalem and rebuild it and the king allowed him to do so and so then he went back to jerusalem and he kind of got everything set up and they was rebuilding jerusalem and that just made me think about like you know just life in general and how a lot of times the enemy comes in and because of our own sin and our own choices as we follow the flesh and, and disobey God, because of that, we allow the enemy a foothold. Then he begins destroying things. We begin destroying things out of our own, um, out of trying to follow our own will, out of trying to do our own thing. And when we do that, then we, we see the repercussions of that. And that becomes a place that is desolate, is barren, is destroyed. And that's why we have to call out to God and be like, listen, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we need you. Um, 
And that's why I think it's so important for us to to focus on God and not focus on the world and how can we change the world? How can we make a difference in the world? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the difference. I mean, I'm not going to negate the difference that people have made in this world because it has inspired someone and it has encouraged people and inspired next generations of people like I'm inspired by people in this world, people who have made a difference in this world. I'm inspired by them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, like it all comes back to God. Like it these these inspirations and differences that we're making in the world now, they do have ripple effects, but it's not as important as our focus on God. Um, yeah. And so. Whew, that's I've been doing a lot of talking. How long have I been going? Oh, an hour? Dang. Okay, well, anywho. Yeah, that's basically it. I wrote down this this phrase. I said, literally the only answer is God. We can't partner with the police and think that's going to solve everything. Um, we can't, you know, create these community organizations and think that's going to solve everything. Like, literally the only answer is God. And when we begin teaching people about God and walking with people throughout their life, so that they can maintain like that's what mentorship and discipleship is 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 not only teaching people but walking with them through life and their journey with God when we begin doing that that's when we're going to truly see a difference because it's a heart issue it's not a issue of all these surface level things police brutality is not an issue of police brutality it's an issue of the heart like police brutality stems from the heart um when you think about things like oppression that stems from the heart when you think about things like lust immorality that stems from the heart all of that is heart issues. So if we don't get to the heart, then we're not really going to get to the issues. And we're just going to keep fighting this surface level stuff and never really getting down to the deep nitty gritty. So, yeah, that's pretty much it on that. Um, and then I have just a few notes that I wanted to share on. Um, oh, no, I have another note. So this is so random. But basically, I was... <laughs> uh, I just so I wanted to learn more about like how does you know this term quote unquote the hood how do how do hoods form like I wanted to know like how did they form and that's when I looked up you know like ghetto and stuff like that and tried to understand like where did this term ghetto come from it actually came from Venice Italy when they had Jewish uh, they had like it was like an ethnic um, enclave is what they call it enclave is like where basically it's all these people from one ethnicity kind of in the same area. Or like from one group in the same area, so that was an ethnic enclave. And basically, like in in Venice, Italy, that's they had like a Jewish enclave, and it was all these people who were there. And then there was like a foundry, which was like a place where there was like a factory or whatever. I forgot, but it's in the it's in the it's in the show notes if you want to look it up. But basically, like that's where it kind of started. That term started, um, and they gave like even like the etymology of it and everything. I thought that was so interesting, like the the um, where the words derived from. Um, that was really interesting. And then they kind of gave it in a, a holistic view as opposed to just like in America what the term ghetto means. But also like they gave it in the view of like what where other places kind of define this word as well. And like how basically other places have ghettos and hoods and stuff like that. But they just may not call it that same terminology that we call it. But I wanted to know how they formed because I was like this is like I just want to know about it. How do they form? Why do they form? Like what, what happens to create a hood? And I was looking at that and that's when I found that on Wikipedia. But then I wrote down this, I said, I said, 
um, I mean, because Jesus was from the hood, too. I'd like to learn more about Nazareth as well. Because when you really think about it, Jesus was from the hood. Guys, I'm telling you, this may be breaking news, but Jesus was from the hood. I'm convinced. I'm thoroughly convinced that Jesus was from the hood. Nazareth? I was looking it up, actually. And I found an article talking about Nazareth. And I don't recall specifics, but I remember it saying something I, that I sent to my best friend, Kamari. Because I was like, girl, you can't tell me Jesus was from, from, wasn't from the hood. But basically, in this article, it says, oh, okay. <laughs> so this article is from, um, it's called The Times of Israel or something like that. And so basically, it's talking about Nazareth and, and where it is and all that stuff like that. Basically, Nazareth was very small and it wasn't very accessible. Um, it also said that it has like limited terrace agriculture. But this was the part that got me and this was when I knew that this was the hood. It said, People didn't go through Nazareth unless they specifically wanted to go there. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you can't tell me that's not the hood. And then there's another part. And actually, this is found in the Bible where uh, someone was talking about Jesus and how he came from Nazareth. And someone else said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And like, you can't tell me that's not the hood. Because no one said, no one says, can anything good come out of the suburbs? Like everyone knows that good things come out of the suburbs because that's the, uh, that's the, what's it called that's what's heavily represented but um <laughs> but I could just hear someone in modern day saying like can anything good come out of the hood and like that is what it was basically saying about Jesus coming from Nazareth so you can't convince me that Nazareth is not the hood um and then also this is just another random side note but I wrote down this I said black lives mattered before even before the movement why because God said so God said each person matters to him so racial tension, homicide, all of that comes from the root problem of prideful and disobedient hearts. What we see now is just the surface. The roots are much deeper and harder to get rid of, which is why we need God. But we don't want to depend on him because we want to take justice and equity into our own hands. And that's where the problem is, because then you have everyone constantly saying, we need to do this. We need to do that. There's so much that we can't do on our own that we need God for. That's not to say to... Um, abstain us from action we do need to take action but it needs to be god-led action not just us jumping up and doing something we need to make sure that god is leading us because he's the only one that can truly deliver it anywho i'm gonna jump off that and i'm gonna talk about the reality of heaven and hell because that's what this podcast is actually titled so i wrote this a while ago i think i wrote this during uh covid i can't really recall but basically this is what this says it says through 2020 and covid we've learned that heaven and hell is really real and you know this is some this this particular thing that i wrote was in specifics regarding to covid and the pandemic and all that stuff like that but i feel like this also applies to injustice and inequity and racial tension and segregation and um just all of that i think this applies to this as well so heaven heaven is going to be feelings of love and fulfillment with family and friends the faithfulness of God, meaningful relationships. It's going to be exposed. Who is truly intentional about being in relationship with you and not just like, oh, it's a, we're just, we're somewhat friends, but we're not really close. Like it's going to be feelings of true friendship, that good feeling of like, man, I feel heard, seen and loved. And I know I'm loved by this person. Um, it's going to be feelings of peace and rest and joy, patience, generosity, clarity, humility relief the presence of god it's going to be light health 
strength. I'm going to add on to this. It's going to be justice and equity. I keep saying justice and equity, but that's because it's such a passionate topic for me. Like it's going to be feelings of like, of, of complete and utter peace of like everything settled. There's not going to be anything that feels uneasy, anything that feels uncertain, anything that feels like, like I, ooh, we need to change this, we need to reform. Like it's going to be a complete state of peace. Like that, I mean, yo, that's amazing. Like everything good on this earth is going to be amplified in heaven. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that's what's going to happen. You can look at the beauty of this earth and say, man, like, if this is what earth looks like, just imagine what heaven's going to look like. If we're able to have friendships and families on earth that have great moments and memories and emotions and experiences right now, like, what? If that's what this is like, if that's what earth is like, imagine what heaven's going to look like. I just, I can't wait. I can't wait. And then on the opposite side, you have hell. Hell is going to be this feeling of discouragement and loneliness feeling of abandon, abandonment, stress, fear, corruption, division, despair, feeling distant from God, isolation, feeling alone, feeling bondage, can't leave the house, <laughs> feeling stuck, struggling, constantly worrying, anxious, paranoid, frustrated, selfish, doubt, confusion, pressure, darkness. You're going to feel sickness and weariness, turmoil, both internal and ex- external. It's going to be this feeling of like, you can never get ahead. You can never get a grasp of anything. You can never come to a full sense of completion. It's always something feeling insufficient, not enough. It's going to feel like that amplified in hell. And um, yeah, <laughs> I wrote down this thing and I said, I said, basically, we're at a hotel right now, but we're going to go home. And um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it that's all I got y'all that was a lot that was a whole hour of talking I'm thoroughly exhausted right now and um I kind of don't want to do homework but I know I'm going to need to do it but I hope that you all were tracking with me on this um I think that this is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about even though I was all over the place it was just something that was just really pressing on my heart that I wanted to discuss and just really dive deep into so thank you all for coming along for the journey definitely check out everything that i'm putting in the podcast notes because i feel like that is um something i really want y'all to check out so i'm going to make sure to link everything in the description below click the description below you know how youtubers be uh but anywho that's it let's go out with a prayer dear lord thank you for today thank you for this conversation Uh, Thank you for this moment to process, God, through emotions and experiences, Lord. Lord, I praise your name because you are a God of justice and equity. Lord, you are a God who's sitting on the throne, waiting for the moment to extend mercy and grace. God, waiting for the moment that your people will call on you, Lord, depend on you and trust in you. And trust that you are their father and you are going to do what you said you're going to do. That you are going to be just, God. That you are going to take care of us. That you are going to be loving and faithful to us, Lord. And I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus right now that anybody who's doubting that, God, that they are reminded of the importance and the significance, God, of your kingdom. That they are reminded of how beautiful and how wonderful your kingdom is going to be once we get there, God. We see little pockets of your kingdom right now, God. We see little pockets of it. Those moments when we have great, great laughs and joy in our heart with our friends or those moments where we see something incredibly beautiful or those moments where we're just incredibly appreciative of someone who's done something great God those little pockets of heaven 
just we can't imagine what it's going to be like when we actually get to heaven where we're going to be so filled up god and overflowing god with abundant life and joy and love god we cannot wait for that moment lord i pray for anybody who is on earth right now god who is just angry god who is bitter or who is frustrated or in despair or depression god because of the way that this world is so flawed lord just let's take a moment to look at our own hearts see the flaws of our hearts and make a change lord through you through the transformation process that you're taking us through god because we can't change the world but we can change our hearts lord we can change our individual hearts god and so i pray that you help us to recognize that everything we're facing is a heart issue and it starts with us it starts with us making the decision to want to follow you to choosing to follow you god saying lord i'm going to give my life over to you i'm going to commit to you lord to read your word to pray god i pray that you keep this this feeling these emotions lord um in my heart and in my on my mind as i'm pursuing whatever will you have for me god and i pray that whoever else god is inspired by your will or is inspired to do what your will is god i pray that you just lead them to what they need to do god i pray that you begin to lead and feed our youth lord to make sure that they god are being fed and led by the right people lord that they are being made into disciples god we're going to continue uh this process and generational uh occurrence god of of leading and feeding others um i think that's going to become my new motto i don't know i don't know i don't know but Lord, I just thank you so much for that. I thank you that you are just a gracious and beautiful and wonderful God. Lord, I don't even know how you be out here doing this, but you do. You do. And I'm just so thankful for you. So in Jesus name, I pray. Amen. All right. I'll see you all next time.